Good morning, everyone. Uh, We're going to read the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth together this morning. Uh, Their story is spread out across the uh, entire first chapter of Luke's gospel, but I'm just going to read two parts of it for us. So let me read uh, from Luke 1, uh, verses 5 through 20, and then 57 through 66. You can follow along uh, where it's printed in the order of worship or in a Bible. You, You can just listen as I read from Luke 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as high priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you this thing, to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. 
Father, as best as we can, we pray the words that we heard the psalm writer say in the Old Testament lesson. We wait for you. And in your word, our souls hope. So, Father, we ask that you'd be happy to use this word that we've read together and heard together that we're going to talk about together to bring us to hope to show us how much you love us, how much mercy and grace and goodness you have given us in Jesus. So meet us where we are and show us Jesus again. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as as we have said and sung and seen and prayed today already, it is the first day of the season that we call Advent. Uh, This is the season of the church year where the church remembers and the church celebrates that Jesus has come to us. As we say in the creed, he was born of the Virgin Mary. But this is also the time of the year when we remember and we celebrate that he is coming again to finish his work of making everything new. Like we say in the creed, from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. And so for these four Sundays in Advent, I'd like for us to talk about what I think is one of the greatest gifts of the Advent of Jesus for people like me and you. And that gift is that we don't need to be afraid. The celebrated writer Marilyn Robinson wrote an essay called Fear in 2015. And this was her thesis. It's really simple. This is what she wrote first. Contemporary America is full of fear. And second, fear is not a Christian habit of mind. It cannot be a Christian habit of mind because, as she writes, Christ is a gracious, abiding presence in all of reality, and in him, history will finally be resolved. Now, I I don't have any idea at all why the New York Review of Books found it appropriate to, to publish such beautiful and succinct Christian teaching, but I am grateful for it. Because those words sum up everything that we celebrate during Advent, everything that we remember during Advent, everything that people like us are called to live into during the season of Advent, that Christ is a gracious, abiding presence in all of reality, and in him history will finally be resolved. Church, that's what we believe. That's what we profess to be truth. And this is why we don't need to be afraid. Those of us who are Christians have been united by faith into Jesus' life. As the Apostle Paul puts it, our lives are now hidden with Christ. And nothing will ever, ever be able to separate us from that love. And the Apostle John says, love like that, perfect love like that, casts out fear. We do not need to be afraid. So I want us to see how that works out, starting with these stories surrounding Jesus' birth. I, uh, I usually watch the movie uh, Miracle on 34th Street on Thanksgiving Day. I think of it as a Thanksgiving movie. But this year I didn't get a chance to, so let me just talk about it for a minute, get it out of my system. 
The opening shot of that movie uh, takes place in broad daylight on a busy street in Manhattan. And centered in this shot is this short, elfish-looking man who walks with a cane. You can only see him from behind at first. He's walking away from the camera, but really that's all you need, really, to know exactly who this guy is. And then your suspicion gets confirmed with the first spoken lines of the movie. This old guy stops to tell a store clerk that the reindeer are out of place in his window display. He says, you're making a rather serious mistake. You've got Cupid where Blitzen should be. So less than a minute into the story, not even 60 seconds into the story, it is established. You know exactly who this story is about. This is a story about Kris Kringle. And I thought about that this week while I was reading the beginning of Luke's story because he does just the opposite of that. All the other gospel writers mention Jesus right away. Jesus' name comes out in the very first lines of their gospels, but not Luke. Luke does not do that. Instead, Luke begins his story with two very ordinary people out in the sticks, in the middle of nowhere, in the rugged hill country around Judea. They are not royalty. They're not wealthy. They're not important. Luke's opening shot, if you'll let me put it like that, is of two people quietly living out their own story, quietly practicing their faith as best they know how. And church, I think that is very, very much the point. It's like Luke is, is sending up a flare. He's giving us an alert that says, look, Jesus' advent affects people like you too. This story is your story. So we meet this old priest named Zachariah, and we meet his wife, one of the daughters of Aaron, whose name is Elizabeth. We hear about their character. They were righteous. They walked before God. They walked blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes. That's Luke's way of telling us that they were ordinary, devout people. He's not saying that they were perfect, that they never did anything wrong. He's saying that they were faithful and they were devout. They're doing the best that they can to love God and to love their neighbors. And then Luke lets us in on their personal life. It is a very intimate detail that he gives us next. We find out that it's just the two of them. It's just the two of them. They, they don't have a child. Luke tells us because Elizabeth was barren, and more than that, they were both advanced in years, too old to reasonably expect to have a kid. So Luke's story about the Savior of the world does not begin with the Savior of the world. <laughs> Luke's story about the Savior of the world begins instead with these two, these two faithful people who have walked together for many years through life's joys and pains, Victories and defeats, satisfactions and sadnesses. Well, one day, Zechariah gets called into service. There were lots of priests that lived in the land at that time. I read estimates this week of any, anywhere between eight and 18,000 priests who were alive at the time. 
And the chief priests were the ones who lived in Jerusalem. And then every year, once a year, these divisions would get called in to help the chief priests do their work in the temple in Jerusalem. And that's what had happened. Zechariah's division had been called in. And one of the things that these visiting priests would do is that one priest, twice a day, would go by himself into the temple, into the holy place of the temple, to clean the altar of incense and to light a new batch of incense. It was a great honor to be able to do that, and you can do the math. It's obvious there were so many priests that not every priest would ever even get to do this even one time in their life. And if they got the chance to do it, that would, that would be the last time they did it. And I imagine that the older Zachariah got, he wondered if he would ever have the chance to do it. But today is his day. He's chosen by lot, and he goes in. And while he's there, an angel appears on the right side of the altar. Now, to say the least, this is unexpected. This is incredibly terrifying. And his response is exactly what you would expect. Luke says he was troubled and fear fell upon him. This is the first mention of fear in the story, and it is totally understandable. I mean, I don't know anyone who wouldn't completely lose their mind in the same situation. But then Luke complicates our understanding of what's going on. He, he muddies the water a little bit about what we think is happening when he tells us what this angel says to Zechariah. It's in verse 13. The angel says, don't, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Okay, what prayer? <laughs> What prayer? I mean, you're in there uh, supposed to clean up the altar of incense and light a new batch. What, what prayer? What holy prayer is he praying in this holy place? What, what's going on in there? The angel says to him, you don't have to be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby. Hmm. And that's how we find out that incense isn't the only thing that's burning in that holy place. There's also a faint flicker of hope burning in that holy place. Deep, deep in Zachariah's heart. I know it sounds ridiculous, God. <laughs> and I know we're probably too old to have kids, but it would be great to have a child. It would mean so much to us. So yeah, Zechariah is scared. He's terrified that an angel is there in front of him. But that fear, that terror goes away in seconds. It's maybe there for a minute, two minutes. But the deeper fear, the deeper fear, the fear that he has been living with his whole life is that maybe God is not hearing him. The deeper fear is that frustrated desire and so long after it had stopped making sense to pray it, he keeps on praying that prayer. And I can hardly believe Luke lets us in on such an intimate detail. It's such a tender, intimate detail of someone's life. 
But that is how this story goes, honestly. The truth is the first two chapters of Luke are brimming over with these kinds of intimate details. We're led on on people's longings and their hopes and their fears. We're told when they're shocked. We're told when they're exhilarated. We're told when they're afraid. We're told when they treasure things up in their hearts. We're told when they feel pain. Luke carefully tells us about all of that stuff. Why? Why? Why doesn't he just get to the heart of it? Why doesn't he just get to the savior of the world stuff? Why does he spend so much time on all of this ordinary, everyday detail about ordinary, everyday people? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because he's trying to make a point. And here is the point that Advent is at once both fully cosmic and deeply, deeply intimate. Advent is about the story of God redeeming his world. It is about the one who created redeeming everything and reconciling everything to himself. And it is also the story of God redeeming you. It is most certainly the epic-making story of the Savior of the entire created order. But at the very same time, it matters deeply and intimately and personally to normal, non-heroic people going about their daily lives in faith and devotion. People like us, you and me. And that's how the good news of Jesus' advent always works. And that's why we don't need to be afraid. Because Jesus isn't just coming to the world out there somewhere. He is coming to me, and he is coming to you. And he is coming as a gracious, abiding presence who will resolve all of history while he resolves all of our stories, yours and mine, as well. So I don't know what you are fearful about. Maybe it's about things that are a couple of steps removed from you, you know, that your job may not be there. Or maybe the political climate makes you afraid. Or maybe you know there's a decision coming that will affect you and you have no control over that decision. Or maybe you're afraid of things that are closer to home, right? Safety, just being safe. Maybe you're afraid of trying to make ends meet. Maybe you're fearful about one of your kids who's wandering away or a parent who's getting older, closer to the end. Maybe you're fearful about bad news from the doctor for you, for someone that you love. Maybe it's legal trouble Maybe it's loneliness, some other thwarted desire. Church, these are important things. (laughs) These are good things that should occupy our attention, but we all know, every one of us in here knows, deep in our bones, when proper concern and proper attention begins to morph into fear. Because fear manifests itself in ways that hurt us and that hurt those around us. 
We know that fear is driving us. We know that fear is the habit of our mind when we live in outrage, moral outrage, all of the time at everything. We know that fear is driving us when we find ourselves lashing out, when we, when we find ourselves vomiting out anger on the people around us and we don't even know why or where it's come from. That's fear. We know that fear is driving us when we try to hide from others as desperately as we can. Fear drives isolation. Fear drives us to push other people away. We know we're acting out of fear. We know that fear is a habit of our mind when we obsessively try to control everything and everyone around us. And we're furious when we can't. We, we fall into despair when we can't. We know that's fear that's driving us when we numb ourselves with food or drink or drugs or working too hard or mindless, stupid distractions. Fear, church, fear is what drives those things. And listen, that is not what we have been made for. We have not been made for that. (laughs) And so it's to people like us that the good news of Advent comes loud and clear. It's to people like us that that the word of Advent comes as a welcome word, a joyous word. And that word is, your prayers have been heard. Don't be afraid. I mean, we, we don't know. We don't know how, how Jesus is going to resolve these concerns in our lives, these very real and appropriate concerns. We can never know how Jesus is going to resolve these things until after he resolves them. But how he resolves them, whether it goes according to our desire or not according to our desire, that's not the point. The point here is that he is with us. And that he is with us forever. And that he is a gracious, abiding, intimate presence in your life and in my life. And when we follow him in repentance and faith, our lives are hidden with him. And he binds himself to us in self-giving love. And that kind of love, that perfect kind of love, it casts out fear. And people who believe that, who not just believe it like in their head, like we read it and heard it somewhere, but believe it in in every part of who we are. And when we believe that, it changes how we live in this world. It changes how we love in this world. It frees us to love, maybe for the first time ever, without fear. I don't know, maybe... Maybe that kind of freedom (laughs) sounds too good to be true. Well, Zechariah can certainly relate to that. (laughs) I mean, the angel tells him, you're going to have a son, and your son is going to bring you joy and gladness when he's born. In fact, many people will rejoice at his birth because he's going to be great before the Lord. He's going to turn lots and lots of people back to the Lord their God. He's going to be great. He's going to be this promised messenger who comes in the spirit of the prophet Elijah. He is going to get people ready for God to come. It is overwhelming stuff. It's too good to be true kind of stuff. 
And so <laughs> Zachariah says, how will I know this? I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this angel, but I'm old. My wife is old too. It's like he thinks this has to be a trick. It's too good. And so he wants some kind of sign, some little sign to make him know and believe that this bigger thing is actually really going to go down. And so I love the understatement in verse 19. This previously unnamed angel says to him, look, I'm Gabriel. (laughs) Okay, I stand in the presence of God and he is the one who sent me here to tell you this good news. That's who I am and you can know it's true because that's where I have come from. I don't, I don't know, you know, what more a guy could want than talking to an angel, but that shows you maybe how deep the fear was in Zechariah that he needed this sign. So Gabriel says, well, here's your sign. <laughs> you won't be able to talk until the day that these things take place, and it's going to happen like that. It's going to go down like that because you didn't believe me. <laughs> There's some divine comedy in there for sure. <laughs> Although I doubt Zachariah found it very funny. But here's how he found it. True. He found it to be true. Because he was struck silent that moment. St. Bede was this Benedictine monk who lived around the turn of the 8th century. And he comments, I think, perfectly on Zachariah's predicament here. This is what he says. He who spoke in unbelief may now by silence learn to believe. Hopefully, it won't take something like that to get you and I to believe. But if it did, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Well, Zechariah emerges from the temple and he's making signs and so people know something's up. And soon enough, beautiful Elizabeth also realizes something's up. She's having a baby. And Luke tells us that she hid herself away for five months, presumably so that by the time she told people that she was pregnant, it would be obvious and they wouldn't think she was crazy. Fast forward another four months, give or take, And the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. Just like the angel says, she has a son. Just like the angel says, the village is out there to rejoice with her. They're filled with joy and gladness. It's the eighth day, the day the boy was to be circumcised. They hadn't told anyone his name yet. The custom, of course, would have been to name him after his father or some other relative. But Elizabeth is emphatic. No, His name shall be called John. Well, this doesn't sound right to the friends, to the family. So they start making signs to old Zechariah. What what do you want him to be called? And if Elizabeth was emphatic, Zechariah is defiant. He takes the tablet. And he writes, his name is John. And immediately... Immediately his mouth is opened. 
and immediately his tongue is loosed and he begins to speak blessing God. You know, the church has always called it a song. He sang a song. We have a name for it. We call it the Benedictus. Here's the first line. Here's what he says when his tongue is loosed. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Church, that is praise in the key of Advent. He has come. He has visited us. And we remember that he will come again. And church, here's the thing. This is the thing for us and this people that are in between these times, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. This is what we need to get in our heads and remember and live out of. And that is that Jesus is always coming afresh to those who follow him by faith. Jesus is always coming to people like me and you through his word and through prayer. When we pray for one another, And with one another, when we pray alone, he is coming to us. He is always coming to us when we worship together. He is coming to us in the sacraments. He is coming to us through all of the Christian people who are sitting around you right now. He comes to us through one another by the power of his spirit. That's how Jesus comes to people like us, ordinary people, quietly living lives of faith. He has bound himself to us by self-giving love. And that kind of love, that perfect love, casts out fear. Let me pray for us. Father, help us to believe that you have heard our prayers and that you are with us. Do whatever it takes (laughs) to make us into a people who believe. Give us whatever sign we need. Do this for our own good and our own healing so that fear will drop away and weaken in our lives. And do this so that we can work for the good of this broken world around us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.